Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. I think the more life experiences you can have, the better it is for stand-up or even for writing or just like completely walking away from it. Because it's like, you're going to sit there for another half hour, you're not going to write anything. Or if you do, you're just like torturing yourself. Like, just leave. Go do something like get out. I think if you want to exercise, do that. I don't, you know, if you want to get a donut at two o'clock in the morning, do that, you know, do something that's going to be good for you. That's not anything related and just get out there, go see friends and like, go do something that is just not related to it at all. And then come back to it later. Cause it's not like there's a timeline on, you have to get this done. I mean, if you have a deadline for something, yeah, then get it done, figure it out. But um, yeah, I think just walking, being being giving yourself the permission to just walk away from something and being like ah i don't need to do it right now this message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals not psychiatrists or psychologists if you have a serious problem please seek professional help the national suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255 that's 1-800-273-8255 There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I am Ash. How you doing, my buddy? Buddy, I've got one more week in LA, and this is so crazy that it's happening. My house still kind of looks like I haven't moved. I'm sad. Don't go. Same. I'm really you sad. you your visa sorted? No. But you know what? We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I am now in a different mindset, headspace. What happens, happens, okay? If I have to miss out on all of my summer trips that were planned in the south of France and in Italy, then we miss out on it and we'll just be in New York, having a New York You summer. would have to stay in New York then. You no, would. I can be in America. You, But you can't be in France. No, I can be out of the country. So once I have my visa appointment, it's an in-person appointment in New York. I mean, it could be anywhere in America, but I'm choosing the New York one because it's just easier. I They take my passport, so I can't leave the country for three weeks. Why do they do that? They put your, um, they put your, your visa in your passport. So I've... they return your passport with a visa in it or no visa in it, depending on if you've been rejected or accepted. So you're coming to New York, but your place is going to be empty. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm planning on renting out my place um as soon as possible if someone, you know, comes and signs a lease. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in New York, I'm gonna be in Seattle, go see my brother for those three weeks that I'll be here. I think I might just do a little tour and hang out with friends. I might come to LA, stay with some friends and just hang. So now you're not going on like your whatever date it was. It was like June 23rd or something was your I'm still, so I'm still going to go. I have an appointment on the 21st at the consulate and I'm going to see if they accept all of my things, if I'm not missing anything and they accept everything and I get some documents that I'm waiting for, if I get it before that date, hopefully they'll take my passport there and then, and I'll be here for three more weeks and I'll just extend, you know, like extend my stay or delay my flight. 
three more weeks. Or I think what's going to happen is that I go on the 23rd and I'll just fly back for whenever I do have that appointment booked. I see. Fly yeah. back from, so go to France and then fly back. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. So you just take a little trip there and then come back for the, yeah. I see. Exactly. So I think I'd be there for like 20 days in okay. Paris and then come back um, to America for three weeks. And then after three weeks, I'll hopefully get my passport and then I'm back. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Well, before that, you're coming to be in my film, which I'm so excited about. I am. I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited to play this character. I've been reading the script and memorizing my lines. And I think I'm just most excited to be around some great people. Like I've met, I don't know if it's going to be the same people that we worked with on oh, your last one. But yeah, I'm excited to be in New York, see you and just be a part of this. I'm excited for you to be there too, because I feel like you'll be my support animal, you know, yeah. like my little comfort blanket. Aww. So I feel like I'm going to be so stressed out and like a chicken without a head, as I was telling you, but you being there will just make me feel like safe. Yeah, that's good. I'm so happy that I make you feel that way. That honestly is like the biggest compliment you've ever given me. Wow. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You're like I family think. though. I think like you really do feel like family. Yeah, no, you too. Because there's nobody else who I would feel comfortable coming and staying with me during my shoot. Like, oh, without a head except for you <laughs> that's how Cora is for me because you know she's my first friend that I made in America like 12 years ago and um for the last three weeks of me being here or two weeks of me being here they're staying with me um Cora her boyfriend and their dog and I wouldn't have anyone else do that for my last two weeks in in LA because that is the most stressful thing Ever, but I don't feel like I need to host them. Like I don't feel like I need to be here. They're they're in their own groove. Like I don't feel like I need to really do anything. And I if I was if it was like anyone, obviously you, I would feel the same way of you have being you being here. But if it was anyone else, I'd be like, I feel like I would have to entertain them or yeah. like host them or like be stressed out. But I don't feel like that right now, which is good. Yeah, because that's the thing. Cause Bryn was like, Oh, like, um, can we hang out like the night of the 19th? Like with Osh and I'm like girl like Osh and I are going to bed at 8 p.m because <laughs> we have the 7 a.m call time like Osh is not going anywhere like I'm watching that girl with like a hawk she is watching me but I'm so I want to hang out with her when when I'm done when you're done yeah, yeah. just talk to me about it because I don't want to know about any fun things that I could possibly have FOMO over yes because I'll probably be staying with you anyways the night of the 19th so, or the, the 19th night. So I'll come back and be like, Lauren, <laughs> don't talk to me. Don't talk Guess to me. what? Me and my Bryn hung out. And then you're just going to bite my head off. Yeah. I'm going to be like, goodbye. Don't, don't talk to me. <laughs> talk to me after the 20th when I can actually be fun and hang out. Yes, I will. Definitely. I also think that I'm not necessarily like delaying my time in L. Well, a little bit delaying maybe. And I might shorten my time in LA. Mm. Um, because I was originally going to take my groundlings class and they still haven't released the dates. And it's what? just, yeah, it's just getting really hard to like plan my life on a, a class that I don't know the dates yet, you know? Yeah. So I've been calling them about potentially like extending my results. Like you can take another class that's online. Mm -hmm. So then I may be in New York more over the summer as well. Okay, great. Because that's where I'm going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll so, be nice to see you at least. 
Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll probably be around more. I don't have it exactly planned out, but because like Crystal's shooting and a couple of my other classmates. So I just think it's going to be like too hard to do the yeah. whole. Um, how are you feeling about your project? You know what? Well, it was so funny because I texted Osh today because I was exercising. I was riding my bike and if you, anyone who knows me, if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I am like a little bit more anxious and I'm a little bit um, like just more emotional when I don't get eight hours. And today, last night I didn't sleep well. I've been like percolating with everything going on with the film. I started to have a moment where I thought about like, what was my original inspiration for this film and why did I want to do it? Because like since going to Columbia, I've stopped being more like mission focused when I tell stories and more just like, what's the story I want to tell? So I wasn't thinking about this story and like, who was I doing it for? But then like, I was looking at the script, I did some rewrites, which I sent over to you. And um, it took me back that like, I was doing this for a younger version of myself. And it's so cool because like I'm filming at the school that I went to. I was a lifer for 12 years. I went to the school like I'm getting to actually go there. We're filming with one of my childhood heroes who's playing the role of my mom. And like just thinking about it, like I could cry right now. Like, I mean, how often do you get to like address your childhood trauma at the source of the trauma, you know, like relive it all, but get to make something fun out of it. Like, I just think that's such a unique experience that I feel like so beyond blessed to be having. And it's like been a really cool full circle moment for me. And I've been feeling stressed this whole week and I've been talking a lot about, and I'm sorry, I'm talking so much right now. I've been talking a lot about like how I think there's a healthy amount of anxiety that allows you to work hard. Um, like too much anxiety can be stifling, but a little bit of anxiety, I think like allows us to put our best foot forward. And if you didn't have any anxiety, like I think that that's a, a thing to be concerned about because it means that like you don't really care about what you're doing but I think like today when I was having this moment of being full circle in my thoughts um I had a moment of realizing that this has like a bigger meaning to me and being able to do this is like more than just fulfilling a class project like it's allowing me to revisit a part of my life that was very impactful to me and I think like it showed me that this is like nursing a little part of me that was like, you know, wounded. Yeah, and yeah. for me, it's like making the stress and the anxiety worth it. And it gave that stress and anxiety like a purpose, if that makes sense. So I'm feeling better about it because I've like been able to rationalize it. Yeah, I think it's really awesome that you were able to do inner child work mm. while doing your film and you went back to who it was for. And you sent me this really adorable picture of yourself as a kid. And I started tearing up. So I was like, this is like, this is really cool that you get to do this for her. And yeah. you need to keep remembering like this, you know, no matter how stressful this process is, no matter who said no, who's saying yes, like who's not answering, who's not doing this, what's going on. This little girl is going to be the happiest human being seeing this film out there. And you know, what's so crazy is that photo that I sent you. I really wanted to recreate like that exact image. And I bought a new purple fuzzy North face jacket so oh, that yeah. the costume can be the exact same, um, like in revisiting the self. And I, I feel like now is the best age we could be at to like recreate this point of life. Cause we get an old, you know, we get an old real quick. We only so, get older. 
yeah, we only get an older. So I feel like for us to revisit this time in high school, like now, now is the moment. And I'm just excited that Columbia and like my amazing classmates and you and like all these people that I care about have given me the opportunity to do it this summer. I love that. I'm so excited for you. And I'm so excited to be there um, to support your dreams and support everything that you're doing. And we, I know that I don't compliment you enough. Because I hate it. <laughs> but I'm so proud of you, dude. You're honestly like you are such an inspiration in my life. And I will only tell you this once in a once a year. There it is. Thank you so much. No, really, I appreciate it. It means a lot. And I think it's just um we talked a little bit with our guest today about how like one of his uh, biggest words of wisdom was like, don't pursue comedy. And he used that because he knew he still really wanted to pursue comedy. And like, I feel so much that way with acting and the filmmaking industry, because like, you really have to love it to pursue everything that you're doing. And like, with creating projects like this to enhance our acting careers, it's like, so much stress, such a time suck, like so many no's in the process, but it has to be worth it to you um to keep going and I think him bringing that up like really just makes this whole day come full circle for me and the project that we're about to create together because um that's why we do it right because we care hell yes today we have Mahesh Patagi and he is a stand-up comedian an actor and seems like a really cool dude he's a dad a husband I really enjoy talking to him because he is Indian and I really love connecting with other South Asians in this industry because it just feels like, wow, there's another one of me out there. Like, wow, you're, it's the same struggles that, you know, that the two, two of us like are going through and I'm not the only person going through this. Like even you, it's just, it's really cool to see relatable people. And I told him that I was like, dude, I, the reason why I really love this conversation is because you are relatable and He's funny. I, I, I've seen some of his clips and he's hilarious. And I can't wait to, I really want to see one of his shows, one of his stand-up shows. But um, yeah, I think we should get into it. Let's get into it. Well, hello, Mahesh. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, where you're located, and a little bit about, or a lot, depending on how much you want to say, your journey towards being a stand-up comedian? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Uh, nice to meet everybody. Uh, so I have a weird journey, I guess, being a stand-up comedian. Uh, so I'm, I was born in India, moved to Texas, because uh, my parents thought that was the best place to move to when <laughs> we moved out here. And uh, I did the traditional, like, uh, first-generation immigrant, like, I did... Uh, parents wanted me to go to medical school. So I went to MCAT classes, all that stuff during college, hated every second of it. And I was like, I knew I wanted to be in entertainment and like specifically comedy because um, Seinfeld was like my favorite show growing up. And like, I used to watch that like all the time. And I was like, okay, I want to move to New York. I want to be Jerry Seinfeld, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means, you know, and do stand up. At that point, I didn't even know stand up was a thing until that show. And then, so, you know, I was in college doing the pre-med thing, which sucked. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. And my parents were like, no, you're going to have to do that. So I actually ended up doing pharmacy school um yeah after undergrad because I was like the deal my parents like do that and then you know do whatever you want so I was like okay but I was kind of dumb because I just didn't know that I was like yeah I could just still do whatever and yeah I don't know I, had, <laughs> I was stupid about that um so I did that but the whole time I was like writing scripts and stuff on the side in undergrad 
with a with a friend of mine who was my roommate at the time. And I was like, man, I really want to do this. I have no idea how some kid from Texas is going to make it in this business. And at the time, like there was no Indian comedians or let alone Indian actors or anything on TV. So I was just kind of like, figure it out. And uh, that's when Russell Peters got had his first special that came out like on it was on YouTube and like people were downloading it. And I was like, oh, that guy looks like me. I was like, maybe I could do this. And then I was like, OK, I need to figure out how to get to New York. So after pharmacy school, I ended up getting a job in New Jersey. I was like, that's close enough to New York. And then I was doing the whole eight to five, like um, traveling back and forth from New Jersey to uh, New Jersey to New York every night on the train doing stand up. Uh, but I guess let me write, I'd started in Austin during pharmacy school. So I did an open mic. I didn't know what to expect. They're like, do three minutes. And I was like, that's a long time. And then I got on stage and like, I was, it was like horrific. I still, I have the tape of it. And I feel like one day, whenever I get like a special on Netflix or something, I'll release that tape. Cause it was <laughs> so so I was, I don't even know if I did any jokes. I got like one laugh at the end. And then I was like, oh, okay. I'm hooked on this. Like, I'm never going to stop doing this. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and I went to New York and then New York, I felt like was the best place. Cause it was like, you could do, you know, five open mics a night. And then I eventually work up to doing like five, six shows a night and then just start building from there. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. I don't know if I just rambled for, you know, feel free to stop me from talking at <laughs> yes. Ash, I feel like you had a similar journey with you went to dentistry school. Well, oh, you I didn't. Dentistry? I know I didn't. I didn't. Oh, that is, she you. is. Uh, that is a story that she <laughs> followed. <laughs> she I mean, just I went believe. along with that one. <laughs> no, but we do actually have very similar. Also, Indian. Um, mm -hmm. we have very similar. Like, I just feel like not to generalize to all Indian people, but I feel like our parents' generation are mostly the same mindset where yeah. doctor, lawyer, engineer, that this is the path that you choose or business. And that's the path that you choose. And you got to do that and have a career that actually makes money. And I, then 2016, I wanted to become an actress. And my dad was like, no, you, you have to do something more. But I did, I was studying pre-dental. So I was going to oh, go to dental nice. school. Yeah, but she I makes me myself, sound like a liar. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give myself credit of going to dental school. Like that is a big- But you, know, you were almost, you were on the yeah, dental counts. school path. I was on the track. I was on the track. Um, But so after graduation, I moved to San Francisco to live with my brother. That was just supposed to be for three nice. months while I was like prepping um for the dental school exam or something. And I realized I was like, this is not what I want to do. I'm like, this is just not me. I can't look at people's mouths every day. Like I such a squeamish person. I don't even know why I thought that would be good for me to do. And then I had the conversation with my parents and it was a lot of tears and fighting. But now finally they're like, how's your audition? How are your managers? Awesome. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. But I still think they're waiting. I'm like, I'm still waiting for them to be like, all right, when are you going to give this up? You haven't booked anything yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm always I'm always like they'll be like oh how was the show I was like well let's not talk about that show yeah let's just we're just gonna talk about it when I am making a shit ton of money doing exactly. this job because that's yeah. all they want to know right is that you're yes they want you to be happy but they want you to be able to support yourself and make money doing what makes you happy For and sure. if you're not making money they're stressed out about you mm -hmm. yeah it's like that they come from us it's like I think the mean well it's like that survival mindset of like they don't know what's going on here. Like they don't know any of the, you know, unless they're from the industry, but I feel like the industry in India is so different than here. So it's like, even then they don't really know. So it's just like, well, you got to survive. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. So your first show, okay, no, actually in Austin when you were in college, mm-hmm. did you go to you did you go? I did. I went to UT. Yeah, for UT. undergrad. Yeah. Okay, so when you were in Austin for undergrad, that's when you just that's when you had this like spark for entertainment, or did you have did you have any signs of it before? I did. I I before like I I was like interested in like TV and film, and I was like, oh, how do I do that? But then I was like, there's literally nobody that looks like me on this, you know. I was like there's no way I can so I just it wasn't even like a viable like option or even like a viable dream to have at that point because I'm like what like so what if I want to do it there's nobody that's doing it which now I'm like it's so cool to see so many people that look like us on tv and so many people that look like everybody else like there's so much more representation we need a lot more of it honestly but it's so so cool to see like a kid growing up sees somebody that looks like them you know whatever race or background that is and is like oh I could possibly do that too um and I never had that so that was kind of like wanting to and then once I started seeing like Russell doing stand-up and stuff like that I was like I guess we could do it and I I didn't know like I literally thought like somebody had to ask you to come do it or something and I was like I didn't know you could just literally sign up and wait in line and go on stage which is probably not the best standards for starting out comedy (laughs) that is rough I that's props to you for doing that and all, I mean, even though you said that you bombed your first show, you, that one laugh is the one that kept you going. For sure, yeah. And still keeps you going until now. I mean, like, that first two years was, like, honestly, I was so, so bad. Like, I, I, I watch stuff, I'm, like, ten, like 11, almost 11 years in now, and I'm, like, I'll watch stuff from last year. I'm, like, oh, my God, I'm so bad at comedy. But I'm, like, that's, I think that's good to have to yeah. to keep going with it, you know? Um well, and it would be strange if you like looked back in 10 years and you were like, that was amazing, right? Because then yeah. you wouldn't have grown at all. <laughs> Maybe exactly. you're downhill then. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, oh, I peaked on that first show. <laughs> yeah. So you said in the beginning that you were driving to LA. So I- I'm just a little confused. Are you in LA? Are you in New York now? Oh yeah, I'm in LA right now. I'm in um, tech- I'm right in Orange County right now. So we had, a, um, my wife and I had a son two years ago. And so my in-laws are watching him right now. So I was like, uh got some time off so I was like I gotta go pick him up and in the best way possible you look so young like I would have never imagined you. I appreciate it like I thought you were like 23 oh I'll take it hey I mean I've got a flip on right now and you can't see my gray hairs (laughs) but they're there (laughs) so then how did you to LA what was the decision so yeah so I was in New York for like five and a half years at that point doing comedy and I was like getting like kind of rooted into the scene there and then I ended up meeting my wife um, who was working at NBC at the time and she was living in LA and I was in New York and we were doing, we ended up doing long distance for like a year and we were like, this isn't going to work. And we're like, I was like, I'll come to LA. I'll check out what the scene's like there. And then, so made the move originally. And I'll be honest with y'all. I hated it. I did not like, it. it did not. It's for me, it was the scene. Yeah. Yes. You agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a different vibe and I'm like I think I'm used to like the east coast vibe like I'm like especially doing starting stand-up like really starting stand-up out there it's like people do not sugarcoat things everyone's like east coast people are like mean and rude but I'm like not really it's just they don't want to bullshit you so if they'll tell you like you suck and then you're like oh okay well okay I guess I gotta get better or I should quit and then you just keep doing it whereas here it was like oh my God, you're the best thing. You know who's here in the audience? Like the booker for this late night show is here. And then you look in the audience and there's like two people there. And I'm like, that, that's not the booker. For, I know what the booker looks like. For that. <laughs> like I've done my research and you're not going to fool me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, ended up moving back in uh, before the pandemic hit. And then, um, yeah, the pandemic hit. And then, so then we ended up moving back here. So we're basically bi-coastal right now. So going back and forth because 
LA is great for the acting, TV and film and writing stuff. And then New York, I think is better for standup. That's my own experience. I mean, some people like swear by the LA thing. And I think it's just where you feel like you fit. And for me, it just, I feel the vibe of New York, the city and like that energy, that pace of stuff. Um, and I like being able to do like 10 shows a night. If, if you can, you know, set it up here. I hate driving, so. <laughs> Same. And you know what? Lauren actually is, she loves LA. She went to USC was here for what 10 years Lauren yeah 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 she just moved to New York in August oh, of last yeah. year yeah oh, nice. and so we're the complete opposite where the two of us are like we hate or we don't really love LA and yeah. Lauren sitting there I could see her she was like love <laughs> but you know what I think like since being in New York I feel defensive of both cities it's right. like when somebody starts complaining about New York then I feel like I want to defend New York. And when somebody starts yeah. complaining about LA, I feel so defensive of LA. So I, I start, like, I kind of hate myself because I feel like I'm really starting to just love both. Um, oh, that's good. I mean, that's that seems like that's the best, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Osh is actually moving to France. And I was just wow. in France for a while because I was in Cannes. And oh, nice. like now I've really started to appreciate the U.S. in general. Oh. And I feel like maybe I'm just like hating France because I know like I'm losing Osh to France and it actually has nothing to do with France. And that's what I think was like my logic with New York before as well. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Her sister also moved to France too. So I think that's also like a this country took two of my people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, at least, I mean, you're like, what? It's like, what, 12 hours away from New York? Like 10 hours? Uh, seven. Oh, seven. seven. Okay. Yeah. It's like the same thing as it's literally like it doesn't matter if I'm in LA or Paris. It's going to be the same distance to New York. That's true. And you can do Zoom podcasts. So, yeah. No. So many rules over there. You know, that's my problem. It's like you can't put a sandwich on a croissant. Like they want you to have the croissant with like just butter or jam, right? You can't put any like meat on the croissant. Here in New York, they have everything croissants where they put cream cheese in the middle and they make it like everything seated. You know, that's what I like about New York. There's no rules, right? There's like no you can rules. do anything you want. France, they're so picky about everything. They are. They are. But like, it's like people in Chicago going to New York and be like, I want a deep dish pizza. They're going to be like, oh, that's not how you do it here. You yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. Or come in here and be like, I want pizza. And they're like, what are you, why don't you eat a salad? I'm like, Listen, yeah. I've had a bad bod for my entire life. I'm not trying to change that. I'm okay with it. Yeah. One thing I do love about New York is the comedy shows. That's like been one mm -hmm. of the key things about moving here. But I'm curious because I feel like we've had a bunch of comedians come on the podcast before and they say that like comedy has changed a lot since the pandemic, especially yes. with like how the world has gotten more sensitive and more politically correct. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about how that's changed? Yeah, for sure. I think... So like the biggest thing I think from doing comedy pre-pandemic to post, like the way you do comedy is like complete. It's like the um, the game has changed completely. Cause like 10 years ago when I was starting, it's like, you don't put any of your clips online. You don't show your set to anybody. You get your perfect five minutes and you send it to the tonight show or you have people send it. And then you just hope that it's good enough and you get on the tonight show and like, you do well enough that now, okay, now you got, you know, agents calling or you get on a show. Now it's like, none of that stuff really matters. Like, obviously like, it's still amazing. It's like, as a stamp of approval, you've done, you know, all these shows, but like the reach that those shows have now, especially with the streaming world, nobody sits, nobody's at home watching TV, you know, everyone's on their phones. And I think the pandemic, there's a, like a handful of comics, like figured it out super early and they started putting the clips up and the rest of us were like, what are you doing? Why are you putting clips out? Like, cause then what are people going to see when they come to your show? Like, and it took off. And then now all of us are like, 
the rest of us are like playing catch up like shit we should have been putting clips up because you can do like you know a sold out room at like like new york comedy club is my home club in new york on 24th and like it fits like 150 200 people in there but doing that one night you see 200 people see your material but if i put like that same clip online there's a chance that 50,000 people might see it and it's like you not everyone's gonna like it but the people that like your stuff will find you and i think it's changed the platform in a way of you don't have to do comedy for 20 years to build a following and start headlining and touring you do it for a year and the people that like you will start coming to your shows and then obviously you keep doing it you'll get better and better and better and but you've like gone around this whole system that was it was just kind of like that was the system which i'm like oh this was like this is so much better because like now it's like you can just get out there find your audience and they'll find you and then you just start creating which is that's the reason why we do it anyway how has your career changed since being a dad and what have what's changed about the topics that you're willing to talk about yeah well i'm very tired like 100 percent of the time i had no gray hairs before this and i've got a bunch coming in the side of my people used to be like oh you used to you people would see me like oh you look like you're 21 i'm like oh 23 shit i'm old <laughs> you're like obama <laughs> i met 19 but i didn't want to like you, you, you know push okay. it too far and then you're it's like okay. well do i look like a child you know <laughs> so i was being respectful by making it a little older it. yeah um no so, but yeah tired all the time uh, lack of sleep but like my material I feel like now I'm I've gotten to a place where I'm just like comfortable with who I am and like obviously the, the, my kid's cool he's given me a ton of material like I've started doing a lot more parenting it's like a you feel like weird getting into like am I gonna be doing dad like not dad jokes but like material about having kids and stuff now but I'm like I've noticed in a weird way it's actually more relatable than anything I used to do beforehand and I went through like a phase in the last like couple of years of like really trying to, they say like 10 years, you find your voice or whatever, but I think it's just, you stop caring in a way. <laughs> you just start talking about what you want to talk about. And like, cause I was doing political for a little while. And then I was like, uh, it's not that this doesn't, this doesn't, I don't talk politics. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, I don't. So it's like, that didn't fit me. And I tried something else and that didn't fit me, but now I'm less like, this is who I am. I've got a kid. Like I talk about it and I'm like, it's, I've noticing regardless of, the city or the audience or how many people they're there those jokes are like hitting every single time because I think there's so much there's something so universal about like whether you have a kid or not you might have a family member that's a kid or you might be an older sibling or you have cousins or it's like it's such a universal thing and I'm like oh this like fits and right now I feel like I'm one of the only Indian comics that has a kid right now that's touring you know and I'm like oh okay this is it's a nice little niche right now and uh it's fun. It just feels more real. Cause it's like, I can talk about stuff that happened that day and then it's fresh and then we'll figure out how to make it funny at some point. But, um, yeah. And, uh, he's, he, he's fine with material. He doesn't understand anything I'm saying. So. <laughs> he's like, talk all the shit you want, dad. But when I grow up, don't worry. I'm going to get you back tenfold. <laughs> I know. And he's already taller than me. So he's going to be taller than me. So I'm, I'm really worried about that. So. <laughs> oh, this is a grown kid. I thought he was like two years old. No, no, he's, he is too. It was just a joke. Oh. I guess you can't see me. I'm on zoom. I'm not tall. Dude, I literally was about to be like, how are you? <laughs> he's in college, you know, so it's a welcome. My heart, I swear. Kevin Hart was doing his best material as well. Like when he started and he was talking about being a dad. And I feel like that was when he really took off too. Yeah. It just feels like it's like, Oh, this is so like real. Not like none of the not not like this other stuff I wasn't doing was real, but this is so like me because it's like my lens of like being a father and stupid stuff that I'm worried about or like 
stuff that I'm doing differently than my parents. But now I'm like, oh, I understand what my parents were doing. And I'm like, I understand this too. So it's like a weird, like, I don't know. It just makes me feel a little bit more relatable, but maybe not, but we'll see. <laughs> right. How do you balance work with your extracurricular hobbies? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is just like, and I think part of it uh, to answer your other question is having the kid helps because now it's like, I have such, such little, little amount of free time that I'm like, I'm, I'm horrible. You ask my wife, I'm horrible at planning. I hate planning. Like I will book a trip the day I'm leaving just because I don't want to deal with the stress of booking it. And I'm like, it's getting me better at like planning ahead. And I'm like, okay, I have like an hour and I, I have to do 20 things, but I also have to write material. So I think what's happening is now like the material is getting condensed. Like, I mean, I have a notepad on my phone and I'm like, I just have it all ideas, but I think it's for whatever reason, maybe it's just the time I've been doing comedy. It's like, it's getting easier to flow with the material. And I'm when I feel like I'm flowing with it, I'm just like, okay, this is it. I'm zoning in on this versus before, if I have like a full day of nothing to do, like I'm going to watch TV, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to, you know, wander around and not, I just, I just procrastinate. So it's, I think it's cut that part out for me. What does your five-year plan look like? Like what are some opportunities that you're manifesting for yourself and how would you like to see your career transform? Um, I'd love to do the Tonight Show this year, um, and I, I think five-year plan. I'd love to uh, have a sitcom um, or a single cam show on like something like FX or something like that, where it's um, just like a hard comedy um, and start selling some of the scripts I've been writing and working on and things like that, and uh, being able to just go out on a big like U.S. tour and like selling out, but also picking what cities I want to go to like instead of I'm like I have to go to you know Iowa which nothing wrong with Iowa but I don't think there's direct flights from LAX so I'm not, I'm not trying to take a layover somewhere like <laughs> so for people who are just starting out in comedy and you kind of had an interesting path getting there with balancing multiple different career paths what are some steps that you would advise people to take and what do you think like would be some advice in just taking the first leap to start doing it mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, well, two things. I'll I'll say one piece of advice that somebody told me that I didn't understand till like last year uh, when I started. I was like asking people like, "What do you think?" And then like the best piece of advice I honestly ever gotten was, "Don't do comedy." <laughs> like, just do not. If you're thinking about getting into it, don't get into it. I was like, "What the hell kind of advice is that?" But now I'm like, "Oh, I think what they meant by that was," and I think this was a famous person that originally said it. But it's like, if I tell you not to do comedy but you're interested in doing comedy and you're like well you're like fuck that guy I don't want to care and you're still going to do comedy then you really want to do comedy but if you're just like I'm like don't do comedy you're like all right okay I'm not going to do comedy then you don't really want to do it because the, the thing with it is it's 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 a, like I love it like don't get me wrong it's like my favorite thing in the world but it it's like it sucks a lot of the time it's like 80 percent of like rejection and then the 20 percent of like oh this is like fantastic I'm making people laugh but the thing that people don't realize is how much you have to deal with to get to that point of just even figuring out how to tell a joke, how to deal with an audience. Okay. A bartender dropped a, you know, a beer on the ground. Now you had something you were saying, now that joke shut off. Now you got to address that. And it's like, it's a lot of stuff like that, that I think when people see a special, like, this is great. And it's like, it's honestly, it's, I think it's like one of the best things in the world when you can make a room full. It's just that feeling of people laughing and forgetting about like their day for like 10 minutes or half an hour whatever it is is like wonderful like I love that but if, as far as real advice if you are if you do really want to do it I think just get on stage that first year or two get on stage as much as humanly possible like get on stage like 20 times 
a week if you can if you're in a rural place whatever it is drive drive somewhere get on stage watch stand up like listen to stand up like because it really is an art form and it's the art form that nobody cares about i feel like in the general pop population like like you can go to a broadway show and nobody's going to be like yelling at the performers somebody <laughs> show at people like like i was like we can see you we can hear you it's like come on like um but yeah I think just developing that thick skin because it is rough and I think that the first couple of years will do that for you people like if you're trying to get in it's like it's tough and it's like but it's I think um the reward is like so cool it's like so fun what do you think is the hardest part about being a stand-up comedian honestly the hardest part is like I think realizing that there's no set path to doing it whereas like like with dental school with like med school pharmacy school it's like you know like okay I need to do I need to have this GPA these test scores and I'll get into the school and then I get into the school I just have to pass and I have to do this program afterwards and then I'm guaranteed to get a job it might not be you know in New York it might be some random town somewhere but I'm going to be doing the thing I want to do and that I've trained to do and I'm getting paid but with comedy there's like zero guarantees and that's I think the hardest part about it is like I mean, I know people that have been doing it for like 25 years and they're like, honestly, some of the most funniest people in the world and nobody would know their names. And I know people that have done it once and put a clip up online and they've got like 20 million views and now they're selling out theater. So there's no like, um, there's no like rhyme or reason to it. There's no like, yeah. uh, there's no guarantees. Like you could honestly be the best person, best funniest, nicest person in the world and it might not happen. But I guess you have to like, be okay with I'm doing this because I love to make people laugh and this is like it you should I think it I don't know what the phrase I'm looking for but like it's that should be the thing that feeds you is the, the laughter and the fun of it and the second it stops being fun I think to just that's like the time to not be in it anymore I guess um, what do your parents think about you being a stand-up comedian <laughs> that's weird because like they're like into it now which is so strange I never thought that they would they'd be like oh when's your next show or when do you have a show do you have any new videos or stuff I'm just like who are you like who are you people this is not what I was like expecting <laughs> when I first told them I thought they'd be like what are you doing but like I think for them now too they're seeing all these people doing comedy and they're more like like just the exposure to stuff and they're like oh I didn't know that that was a thing but that's a thing and you're doing it and that's kind of cool so yeah, yeah they're like they, have they come to any of your shows Yes. So they did. They uh, they saw me once uh, in the last 10 years. Actually, it was two years. It was right before the pandemic. I did a show in Dallas um, and it was at the small theater and it was like a bunch of Indian people showed up. It was like some comic from India came in and he was like touring and like they knew him. Like I, I was like, how do you know him? They're like, oh yeah, we know him. WhatsApp. Our, they send videos on WhatsApp to each other. <laughs> and like, so he came and he sold out and he had, had me come and do 20 minutes. And I was like, this is the first time I've ever performed for my parents. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be interesting. And it went really well. And like, they were like, oh, you were like, good. Like oh, we didn't, when you say you do comedy, we didn't know you do comedy. Like I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I think they just don't really know, you know, like they don't really they they're not on Instagram like us seeing stand-up comedians doing their skits on Instagram. They don't go to comedy shows like that. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm assuming. No. Um yeah. So once they see your work and see what you're doing, that's when it clicks for them and they're like, "Oh, okay, so this could be a career. Like you're actually really good. Like and other people are doing it too." Once other people are doing it, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. You can yeah. do it. Go do it." 
it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. I also love that you were just talking about um, the path that you mentioned because my production company is called Pathway Pictures for that mm -hmm. exact reason. So nice. thank you so much for that promo. I may be uh, yeah. that as our uh, marketing team. But I want to know how much are you in comedy? And I know you said that you're also doing acting mm -hmm. affected right now by the writer's strike. Does that affect you at all in comedy? How does that work? So for stand-up, no, but I will say WGA Strong, Stand with the Writers Guild. Um, it's I think stand-up is the one thing that'll keep going because we're it's all individual. We're all doing our own stuff. But like writing strike, you know, it's like I know a lot of friends that are like on like shows right now that are right there, they're not they're out of work and like they're not getting paid properly, they're not getting the residuals they should be getting. Um, so I think all that shut down. And I think with SAG, um, I think we're, I mean, I guess we'll find out next week. I know we yeah, authorized a strike. I my voicemail like, from Fran Drescher saying that it was authorized. Um, so. It is authorized, yeah. So like 97. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, I think we need to go on strike because we need to stand with the writer. Because like without the writers, there's nothing else for anyone to do. Um, and I think all of that will halt. But stand up, it's like one of those things like during the pandemic, like we were doing shows in, in the park on the subway and places we probably shouldn't have been doing shows, but we were still there because people need to laugh at the end of the day and it's such a simple thing to like you could again don't do stand-up in a park because it's horrible and <laughs> I've done it a lot and during the pandemic and it's not a good experience but it's like people need to laugh so it's like it it finds a way you know like uh what is that Jurassic Park life finds a way is that Jurassic Park there you go Cue the music no Jurassic Park okay maybe <laughs> oh I should know this I should know this but I don't I think it's Jurassic Park. Well, let's say it's Jurassic Absolutely. Park. We'll fact check you. <laughs> it's Indiana Jones. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> um, yeah, so so, I think it won't get affected in that sense, but um, everything else will stop. Um, it just depends on how long the strike lasts, you know? Yeah. And so are, how does it work with stand-up comedians? Do you have a manager to help you book or is this basically you're just working for yourself and doing this all on your own? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. So like, yeah, I, I actually got my manager during the pandemic, um, and he's like a stand-up comedy manager. He's got like a lot of big names on his um, roster and stuff, and they help. But it's like the thing is like, and I, that's one thing that I will tell people that are listening. It's like I always thought, and this is everyone always thinks like, as soon as you get like that manager, like, oh, I got this manager, or I have this agent now. You still have to do everything that you were doing before. None of it stops. It's just like you still keep doing it, but now you. You have the people in your corner when oh okay this network wants to talk to you or you know they want you to pitch a show now you have people that can help you they have your back they can do the you know they can read the contracting they can get you out there and uh yeah he does book some shows for me but a lot of it's still like the day-to-day -day stuff is like on my own and then um my agents obviously they they send me the auditions and stuff like that um the theatrical which you have to have for you know tv film um so they've been sending that and they're really cool but um yeah, and it's cool. It's like I've, my agent, like she saw me like four years ago at like a comedy festival. And then like we just started, maybe it's five years now, but yeah, we just started working together last year. So it's like, you never know the people that you meet like five years from now, like they might be like, oh, let me work with this person, see if they're mm. still doing stuff. So um, that's kind of how I met them. Yeah. That's also a good reason to be nice to everyone that you come across, no matter in the industry or out, because you never, I mean, you should be nice to be a nice person, but sure. you yeah. never know who you're going to be working with. You know, like they probably remembered you and it was like, well, Mahesh was such a cool guy, like such an amazing human being. He's probably so great to work with. Um, 
might as well set up a meeting with him. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It is it is a small industry. Like I feel like even just in putting it, lumping it alone, like by itself, stand up is such a small world. But then also mm. now with the TV, film, writing, it's like oh, it's like somebody, one of the people I started with um, doing open mics with in New York, like almost 10 years ago, he's like a producer now. And he's like, on. he's been a writer on Abbott Elementary. He's been like on all these shows. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. And it's like, you lose touch with people sometimes. And then you come back together like 10 years later and you're like, oh, wow, we're both still doing it. And it's like, you, you have that instant connection. And it's like, you never know when you're going to see somebody again. And it's, yeah, just be nice. I mean, yeah, why people don't do it anymore, but it's just be nice. <laughs> I think well, so back to what you were saying about people in New York, they're just real, right? They'll tell you mm -hmm. how it is and they're just real. They're not going to compliment you to compliment you. If they give you a compliment, they mean it. If they give you something like a critique or feedback, they mean it. But in LA, it is, I've seen people are really nice to your face, but they don't maybe don't mean it as much as you yeah. think they do. And I get it. I think here it's like a lot of, well, that person's an assistant. Maybe they're going to be, a, you know, a huge executive producer someday. Let me just be nice. But I'm like, just also be nice without wanting something from someone. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, I felt that really heavily at Cannes um, when I was at the festival this year. People How like, was it? It was really cool. I think it's a lot more accessible than people think it is. Like, I think that you really can go as an up and coming filmmaker and still get a lot out of the festival. I think people like make it seem so glamorous and unattainable, but I actually do think there's something for everybody. But what I will say is that like more than any event I've ever experienced, you can really feel that people are trying to get something from everybody and like mm -hmm. sussing out who is somebody, what's their job and like will spend time talking to you if they think you're somebody like their people are intentional about each event that they go to mm -hmm. and what they're trying to get out. And I haven't experienced that in the same way in either LA or New York. Oh, wow. So it's even more so even more wow. so. Cause I think people are like, I'm spending the money on a flight on my festival accreditation. And I think people are just like, I need to get something out of this experience. Whereas like in LA and New York, there's so many different events you can be going to that. I think people like, mm -hmm. they're not so intentional about it in the same way, but I agree with you that definitely like, um, people are more genuine probably in New York. I think that there is more of that intention in LA, but can was the most I've experienced by far. Mm, interesting well I was gonna say one thing that you said that was really cool that I want to point out too is that you said it's it seems like it's unattainable or to whatever but you're just like you can still figure it out and I think that's a good you know even with the stand-up it's like yeah it's like it's tough but you know some you might be the person that is like hey I'm gonna do stand-up and then oh shit you're the person that's like now famous because you have that because it's like it is partly it's a gift it's also a skill but it's like you never know I mean you just try it out if you want to try it out and yeah yeah. Did you ever do any training? Like, is there train? I've heard of Boom Chicago in Amsterdam, I think. But is there, right? Is it in Amsterdam? I don't know. Have you heard of I Boom Chicago? Know. Leslie Wolf person in LA. Is, it's a stand up uh, teacher? teacher? Yeah. Yeah, they have stand up classes. And is that like, have you ever taken a class or is this? Oh, yeah, I took just... one when I first moved to New York and I think it's good. I, I did it and I met like some of my best friends from it, you know, till this day. A lot of them don't do comedy anymore, but we're still like, super close but I think it's good because it's like anything yeah there is a structure to writing jokes and like mm -hmm. a lot of people just figure it out through trial and error over years or they've been watching stand-up and all that but I mean I think it's always whatever you're doing I mean like getting into acting you got to take acting classes you got to take yeah. classes like why not 
I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. I, some people are like, ooh, you're taking a stand-up class. I'm like, who cares? Like, do it. Like, you know, it's, you're learning and you're going to learn something out of it. Like, it might be a small thing, but you're going to get something out of it, so. Yeah. Because you're balancing so many different things between being a dad, working a day job, comedy, acting, do you have any things that you feel like you need to do every day to be the best version of yourself, like a morning routine or healthy habits? Oof, I'm not the healthy habits. I mean, I, so I have a big sugar addiction. I'm trying to kick that right now. I'm drinking a vanilla latte, everybody. This is, <laughs> um, no, I'm trying to be healthier too. Now with the kid, I'm just like, cause I'm like, we're, we pretty like careful about what we feed him. But I'm like, Oh, like we're already taking the time to make something healthy. I should probably be doing that too. Instead of you know, eating a bowl of Lucky Charms at two o'clock in the morning after, because I mean, that's the thing you, you do these shows and you come home at like two in the morning and you're like, well, I'm just gonna hang out now I'm, I'm wired like and then I was like no this yeah. these horrible habits that I've developed over the course of 10 years <laughs> today's the horrible I mean, habits episode <laughs> yeah. yes we love that what are some horrible habits that you have <laughs> that you swear by uh, I'll tell you what I in New York there's a there's a Dunkin Donuts near my I live in Queens there's a Dunkin Donuts the guy is new <laughs> I mean I'd be coming home at like this is like before I was married I was like doing shows till three or four in the morning coming back and they'd be like I'd either get there when they were baking their fresh donuts or at the end of the night when they were stale. So they'd just be like, here's like two. And it was like right off the sub. It's not like, listen, I didn't go out of my way to go to Dunkin' Donuts. It was, I got out of the subway and the door was there. And I was like, it's kind of cold outside. Let me it go. It was the their door. Fault, really. The door was right there on the subway. I was like, let me say hi. Let me be a friendly neighbor here. And they're like, okay, here's two donuts. I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll take two donuts. What I'll, are you going to do? Here. Not take the donuts? Yeah, I'm going to be rude. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> so yeah that's so, no i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to eat healthier and work i mean i like to i do like to go to the gym and work out it's just the time wise it's so tough but i think at the very least i just like getting some sunlight and getting a walk outside um which again why i like new york because you can do that here la the first time i moved here i was walking around and people were looking at me like what's wrong with you i was like i'm just out here on the okay i'm on the 105 maybe i shouldn't have yeah gone. i was like are you on the side <laughs> of the highway where people are like what the hell are you doing <laughs> Is it 105, 405? I don't know. 405. All of them. 405. Yeah. It's the 05. But there is the one that is like the, there's a 105, isn't there? That goes to the so. east side. It's a 101. Yeah. No, there's 101. A, there's definitely a 105 on the east side. To go to like yeah. Pasadena, I feel like. Los yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a 105. Five. A, yeah. yeah. It's just the five. I-5. The I-5. I-5. Oh, is that an I-5 I? West. It's an I-5. Oh, I thought that was a one. Okay. Anyway, right. I feel like we need a morning routine graphic and it's like 2 a.m. Go get donuts at <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. And this is Go for a walk next to freeway. <laughs> a lot of bad decisions. Hey, that's comedy. It's a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> I love how you I love how you made it just sound like, well, the Dunkin' Donut, the subway stop was literally mm-hmm. in a Dunkin' Donuts. Like I get off the train and I'm buy the donuts like what do you want me to do say no blame the city planner that's not my fault yeah i mean it is their fault (laughs) they're they're making these situations very very easy for you Mm -hmm. okay so i think it's time to get into our i think it's time we end this (laughs) i think you you gotta get off yeah can you please tell us the funniest wildest intriguing or most inspirational dm you've received so here's the thing. I don't check my messages very mm. I rarely check them. And I'm like pretty bad about that because I've missed shows. I didn't know. Like I've there have been like multiple people that have tried to reach out to me. It's like, 
hey, uh, it's it's like it's been like weddings or random things like that. I'm like, oh, I could have made a lot of money doing that show. And I see it like a month later. And I'm like, whoops, I should check. Um, so I don't really check. So I, sometimes I do check. And uh, I think one message that I got that was really cool um, was somebody reached out and she's like, hey, I've been having a really rough couple of months. And like, I saw your stand up and it really made me laugh. And I, and I just want to say thanks. I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of cool. Like, that made me feel nice. You know, I was like, that was cool. And I, so I, nice. I checked that one. So now I'm just assuming all of them are like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all really nice DMs. And I'm sure. like, you should quit. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you suck. <laughs> so getting into our DM of the week, Lauren, would you like to ask that? I one? would. <laughs> I really would. So our DM of the week asks, what do you do to get your creative juices flowing when you're in a rut? Hmm. That's tough. Cause it's like, I think for me, um, I looking for inspiration, whether that's either watching stand-up specials or like honestly doing something completely unrelated to stand up at all. And then you just end up, I think the more life experiences you can have, the better it is for stand-up or even for writing or just like completely walking away from it. Cause it's like, you're going to sit there for another half hour. You're not going to write anything. Or if you do, you're just like torturing yourself. Like just leave, go do something like get out. I think if you want to exercise, do that. I don't, you know, if you want to get a donut at two o'clock in the morning, do that, you know, do something that's going to be good for you. That's not anything related and just get out there, go see friends and like, go do something that is just not related to it at all. And then come back to it later. Cause it's not like there's a timeline on, you have to get this done. I mean, if you have a deadline for something, yeah, then get it done, figure it out. But um, yeah, I think just walking, being, being, giving yourself the permission to just walk away from something and being like, ah, I don't need to do it right now. I'll figure it out. And sometimes I, it's like, there's been stuff that it takes a while. Like I've had a couple of jokes that I've been doing recently that I had wrote the premise like two years ago. And I just finally was like, oh yeah, that could, this could work for that. And it's like, so you never know when it, it might hit you a few years from now, but I think having, giving yourself the uh, permission to not do it right then and there um i think that's the biggest thing and being okay with it because this is like a long journey right it's not like path it's, it's every everyone's path is very different <laughs> Shout yeah out. my i'm going to theater school or a theater program in paris and my parents are like so after it what like do you get a job like are you going to be on a show after it like how does that work and i'm like no like that's no i'm just going for training like i'm not there's yeah. no path you know, it's not the as solitary. long as you're enjoying it. I think that's and enjoying the art form is that's all it is. Because I think the more you do that, the more it just like comes to, and the people that I'm seeing that are like doing really well, and it's they've gotten into that flow of like, right now, I'm like writing, so I'm going to write right now, I don't have anything. So I'm going to go live, be a person and figure out what because like all especially for stand up, especially because even for acting anything, I feel like it's real life experiences that you're putting onto a page and the more real you can be as a person, the more stuff you can do, it's going to bleed into the work. And I think that's what people relate to now um, is the feeling of human, which, you know, screw chat GPT. I hate that. Um, for me, just being able to walk away from it and be like, Oh, okay. Give my brain a break. And then, then it's like, it'll hit you like randomly. Like, oh, okay. That's what it should have been. You know? Yeah. 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 Can you please let our listeners know where they can stay up to date on everything you're doing and come see you in shows? Yeah, yeah. Just follow me on Instagram. It's at M-A-H-E-S-H-K-O-T-A-G-I. I post all my tour stuff on there. Um, I have a link tree. Um, you can go sign up there and I, you can just join my email list and I, I will be doing like a tour um, later this fall um, and some cities around the US. So get tickets, please get tickets. That'd be great. 
All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. As always, please rate, review, subscribe. Send us your DMs. We love getting your DMs of the week. It is so cool to see all of you guys invested in our guests and also, you know, seeing your DMs. We are Damsels in the DMs and I love getting all of your DMs because um, you guys are just cool and funny and you're very inquisitive people. Yes. So please continue to send them. All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.